This podcast is sponsored by the Davenant Institute, online at davenantinstitute.org. Hear more at the conclusion of today's program. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. You are listening to Mortification of Spin. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I'm joined, as always, uh, by my co-host and my friend Carl Truman. And uh, the, uh, the the waters of evangelicalism have been stirring uh, quite a bit lately for any number of issues. We've talked about some of those issues right here on this program recently. Uh, but an- another um, quite devastating blow uh, happened in in the the, the revelations concerning. Uh, Ravi Zacharias. Of course, Ravi Zacharias, who died uh, not long ago, uh, was an internationally known uh, Christian apologist, very engaging communicator, a quite skilled communicator, actually, um, author of numerous books and a ministry that was very prosperous and, again, had, a, had an international worldwide reach. Ravi has spoken in the largest venues uh, in, in the world uh, in, in terms of, of gatherings of Christians. Uh, he was uh, a speaker at uh, the very first Veritas Forum years ago at Harvard University um, and has spoken on many university campuses, both here and abroad. And then there were rumblings, Carl, of problems uh, with, with Ravi's uh, biography in, in the recent years prior to his death that maybe it was punched up a little bit uh, dishonestly uh, in terms of attributing a PhD to him, which he did not hold. Um, studies at Oxford or Cambridge, one of those two uh, universities, which turns out was was a bit of an over exaggeration, uh, if I can quote a former president. Um, and and then and 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 those things kind of seemed to go away. That, that they sort of uh, massaged his his online biography to try to be a little bit more in line with the truth. And then there were revelations about a relationship with a, a woman in Canada. That seemed to go away, a lot of legal maneuverings there. And then after his death, uh, the revelations just came pouring in, uh, quite horrific, um, which seemed to uh, portray a man with a a lifelong problem of inappropriate relations uh, with women, sexual relationships with women and and trading photographs. And uh, it it was deeply troubling. And of course, it, it rocked the evangelical world. Uh, powerfully, because again, everybody knows Robbie Zacharias and the impact he had. Um, Carl, certainly, th- this is worthy of a discussion, if if nothing else, about one, the dangers of Christian celebrity, and then two, the requirements of those who are called to have leadership positions among God's people, whether that is formal, like an elder or a pastor. Or, or less formal, but nevertheless real, like we have with someone like Robbie Zacharias, um, who very much had a, a place of leadership 
among Christians. Now, Carl, you were warning years ago about the problem with Christian celebrity. What did you think about when you first began reading uh, the discoveries about uh, Mr. Zacharias's life? Well, I, I think particularly, I think it was a Christianity Today article. You may mm -hmm. have sent it to me actually some weeks ago. Yeah. I'd say that was painful to read. It was. What those, what those women had been through, that was just painful to read and thinking of, of how lonely and desperate and how manipulated they were. So my first reaction, if you like, was not really a reaction about Ravi Zacharias and about Christian celebrity mm -hmm. so much as a, a feeling of horror uh, and uh, sympathy is too cheap a word, but just a feeling of horror for the victims and, you know, for the victims' husbands as well. You know, how did you cope with these kind of revelations about things that have been done to you or done to one of your loved ones? Um, secondly, I, I did think that it played into the kind of warnings that, that I tried to issue some time ago about celebrity, which, of course, you know, I remember at the time, you know, oh, well, Truman's a celebrity, so he's trashing celebrities. Well, you know, as I tried to make out at clear numerous times over the years. There is a difference between somebody knowing who you are because you operate in a public sphere, you write or you speak in a public context, and being a celebrity. And that's somebody who has a certain aura or charisma about them and operates within a certain culture of celebrity that makes them immune to criticism. And I think the problem with, with Ravi Zacharias is, you know, even though I didn't know the man, I, I never, I don't actually think I've ever read a book by him. I think I may have seen him interviewed maybe once or twice, something on YouTube. Yeah. But as you hear the, the allegations before he died coming out, the, the default is always to, to dismiss them. I think, or right. to rationalize them or to think, well, there's got to be a misunderstanding here because this is Rabbi Zacharias yeah. we're talking about. And so it raises for me a whole host of questions about, again, about the culture of, of big evangelical organizations that focus on a particular man where there are vested interests in that man not falling. Right. Uh, it raises questions for me about a temptation that can occur even, even at sort of, I want a better word, lower levels mm -hmm. of ministry where people so identify the cause of the kingdom with a particular individual that ultimately the normal rules don't apply to that individual because they're too important for the kingdom. Right. They can do stuff and that's okay because the kingdom needs them. Mm -hmm. I've sat in rooms where that argument has been made about individuals and thirdly, I think it reminds us that when we see things like claims about being a lecturer or being educated at Cambridge University, and it's found out that those things are not true, uh, that raises serious questions. Uh, and, and I've seen numerous things over the years, people claiming to, to have given lectures at Cambridge University, whereas I know, I was there, they were giving lectures within the geographical bounds of Cambridge <laughs> University, but they were not on the university's dime. They were not official guests of any college. Um, we, we were all aware of, uh, of the last few years, you know, accidental plagiarism. Well, I've never come across accidental plagiarism when a nobody is doing it. When a nobody right. student accidentally plagiarizes somebody, they're out. Mm -hmm. no, no question. Right. But we'll cut slack for our guys yeah. that are – too big, you know, too big to fail. Yes. Too big to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, having a conversation recently with um, 
uh, an individual who uh, had the inside scoop on uh, a particular seminary, which gave a, a particular man a doctor of ministry degree. Now, a doctor of ministry degree is is the degree you get when you don't want to go through the rigors of a, of a research degree, but still be called doctor. Sorry, that's what it is. You've just insulted about a third of our listeners. Liam Golliger is going to be hitting the, <laughs> hitting the, the speed let, dial as we speak. Let me say that I Liam, think, you're the exception. You're the exception <laughs> here, brother. <laughs> let me say that I think a doctor of ministry degree is a good degree. I just wish they called it something other than a doctor. Of good ministry. recovery. Good recovery. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> shoring up the donor base. <laughs> <laughs> but this individual I was speaking to was on the committee that awarded this individual his doctor of ministry degree. And he told me straight up, the guy had plagiarized, quote, the entire thing, but they awarded it to him anyway, because he was at that time, even a very well-known and influential person within evangelicalism and in a particular church network that had a great deal of pull and influence. Now, perhaps not unsurprisingly, that individual who plagiarized his entire demon thesis um, is no longer a pastor and had a tragic and uh, a notorious ending to his, to his ministry. Again, the point is, is that when you have a man who will lie about his biography, you have a man that has a deeply flawed character. And of course, we all have flaws in our character. But again, the scriptures are quite clear that uh, it's not sinless men who serve uh, the body of Christ uh, in, in these responsible roles, but it's men who are above reproach in, in that general sense of, of the understanding, not above reproach before God, but above reproach before our fellow sinners. And that was clearly not the case with Robbie Zacharias. It was known years before he died that that was not the case with Robbie Zacharias. But when you're dealing with huge amounts of money in an international ministry where lots of salaries depend on one man, then otherwise good and decent people will cut corners to try to keep that man propped up. Because after all, our jobs depend on this guy. And that's a bad place to be in. That's where it crosses the line into celebrity. And that's why ministries like that would be better served if they were under the authority of a local church um, rather than a, an organization that a man picks out and puts his own family members on the board. Yeah. And that reminds me actually of a, a quotation I read just recently on Rod, our friend Rod Dreyer's uh, daily briefing from the American conservative. He's talking about a conversation he was having, I think, with a Roman Catholic friend. Uh, who made the comment that anybody who's worked for not-for-profit for any length of time uh, will will probably have experienced the fact that the the not-for-profit ultimately becomes interested in perpetuating itself and not right. not in the mission. And I don't yeah. think that's always the case. I mean, we are speaking for not-for-profit now, and I hope that's sure. not the case at the at the alliance. But I think particularly for not-for-profits that become phenomenally successful yeah. and phenomenally influential, and perhaps, as you said, particularly associated with, 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 with one man, mm -hmm. then that's a problem. I mean, some yeah. years ago, there was an article, I won't mention the name of the person, but there was an article, you know, how you can tell that you're drawing too much attention to yourself in, in ministry. And the one thing this person missed out was that uh, naming the ministry after yourself. Yeah. 
might actually be a telltale sign that you are becoming a brand and right. not a ministry at that point. And I think that's, uh, that's something as well. The very fact that the ministry was named after this man reflects the importance. And of course, the big question I think for, for the ministry now is, can it survive rebranding? Right. You know, the brand well, is interesting. tarnished. They've got to rebrand yeah. themselves. Well, and interestingly enough, that was the, the first option they were looking into at Robbie Zacharias International Ministries. And now they came to realize that that was just going to be impossible so they've they've they're no longer going to be doing apologetics, and, and they're just going to be apparently until the money runs out, funding um, ministries that need financial help, which I think is 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 the right thing to do. You know, interesting, Carl. You talk about ministries being named after a person. One of the things I think that R.C. Sproul did really well was named his ministry Ligonier Ministries, and it's interesting. Yeah. Just this week, um, uh, the Ligonier uh, conference was going on down in um, Jacksonville, Florida. I think it was hosted at First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, which has a worship center that seats well over 5,000 people. The place was full mm. and RC is not there, yeah, but, yeah. but he made some good decisions about not only how he named his ministry, but the fact that at the Ligonier conferences, RC was never, I mean, he, he had a whole group of guys around him that people wanted to go and hear preach and teach. It was never just, you know, the RC thing. Now, I didn't know RC Sproul, but I know that those were smart decisions on his yeah, part. Yeah, and I think we would say the same for John Piper as well. I, I, Absolutely, I, I don't think I've ever met John Piper, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I haven't read a huge man. He's not really from that kind of yeah. Protestant trajectory that I belong to. But everything I, I know about John Piper seems to indicate to me that on that point of his ministry, mm-hmm. much as there's been great pressure for John Piper to be the center of it, it's desiring God. And right. you know, if if the church is any sign of how the ministry will go when John Piper finally you know, retires, dies, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the move at Bethlehem Church indicates that it, it, however he'd set it up, that transition was possible, that it was not so right. rooted in a man for whom everybody would sort of identify that church mm-hmm. with. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, I was thinking the British example, of course, is Martin Lloyd-Jones and the great mm-hmm. tragedy of Martin Lloyd-Jones is that, and, and he, in many ways, he did everything right on that front, but the church didn't really survive the transition after he'd gone. He was such a huge figure. So it's very difficult, even if you do things right, but it's great, as you say, that Ligonier have pulled this off and yeah. all the, the signs are very good. Uh, yeah. Beth, the, the other, I guess the other big one will be John MacArthur's uh, yes. ministry. When Reverend MacArthur passed from the scene. He's a huge personality. Hopefully, there'll be a good transition there as well. Yeah, yeah. Carl, at at, at the top, you know, one of the things you mentioned just in terms of the situation with Robbie Zacharias was the fact that, you know, real lives were at stake, real people were taken advantage of and manipulated and used by a man who uh, had a great deal of power and and influence, and he used that influence um, to manipulate women for his own pleasure. And this was a terrible, a terrible tragedy. And so, you know, this whole conversation about um, Zacharias's ministry, his fall, the tragedy of his own life, and it is a tragic life uh, to, to, to be so duplicitous. It's a tragedy because, because part of the thing that you have to wonder in, in regard to a man that was so duplicitous is, you know, was he just simply unregenerate? And, uh, and, and we ought to think on those things, even as we, because we ought to think about our own hearts and, and to, to guard against 
a possible trajectory there. But but as we think about the tragedy of his life, we have to also remember uh, the many lives that were so powerfully harmed, deeply harmed uh, by him. Imagine what it does to the soul of a woman who is manipulated for the sexual pleasure of an internationally known Christian minister. It must be devastating, not only emotionally, but what it does to their heart, what it does to, to a person spiritually would be devastating. Yeah, And that's I, why we as ministers have to be so careful yeah. to never do that. And, and why you and I have said before on many occasions that adultery um, is a disqualifying sin in terms of Christian leadership, not church membership, but Christian leadership, yeah, be, because the betrayal is so fundamentally destructive to people. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more uh, on that, and we've we've made that point. I remember we did have a guest on who sort of asked him that question. He disagreed, yeah, yeah. and I remember asking the guest. It was a very friendly discussion, but saying, sure. you know, have you ever seen it done successfully? Right. And he said, no. He, he, right. he, said, he said, I don't want to absolutely cut that off. He said, mm-hmm. but every case I've seen is one where, no, that's a, that's a ministry finishing right. thing. Um, and, and certainly, you, you know, when you see these people getting doing this stuff and, and returning to ministry one, two, three years later, give yeah. me a break. Give me a yeah. break. That's, that's not right. does raise another question. I've I actually had this uh, from some of the students at Grove, Grove City College asked me, you know, so what do you do with the you know, we were helped by Ravi Zacharias. We yeah. thought his books were good. What do you do with that stuff? And that's where actually I find uh, it's helpful to reflect on the the early church and the Donatist controversy of the, <clears throat> the late 4th, early 5th century. Sounds very geeky and nerdy, but the debate <laughs> is, you know, could uh, was the baptism done by uh, bishops who'd betrayed the faith during times of yeah. persecution? Was it legitimate baptism? And the, the church came back with the answer, yes, mm-hmm. because ultimately the sacraments on the truth, we might say, does not depend upon the moral quality of the person dispensing it. And if you think about it, that's important because when you're sitting under ministry week by week, you know, well, first of all, you know that the minister's a sinner. Mm-hmm. You don't know to what extent, of course. Right. And, and yet you still have to trust what he says. And that's why I think it's, you know, one of the things, and it's hard to do this sometimes, but if you have a good grasp of human depravity and human sin, I think you should be able to say, you know, I was helped by Rabbi Zacharias. Yeah. He taught me this just because it turned out that he was, he was a fraud. And we don't know if he was a believer or not, but let's just say it turns out that publicly, at least, he was a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's turned out he's a hypocrite does not mean that, God is not Trinitarian in right. his being, for example, does not mean that Christ is the only way mm. to salvation. And I think we, uh, hard as it is, we need to, to remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been a, a hard conversation today. I think these are, it's never pleasant to talk about the fall of a significant man and a man who's done great good during his ministry as well as tremendous harm to uh, individuals and as you know sadly at the end we might say brought nothing but shame to the name of christ and the church because of the revelations that have emerged so we hope this conversation has been sobering we would press on all of you keep yourself accountable church isn't a cult but keep yourself accountable in some way to friends guard your guard your steps wisely hold fast to a sound form of words and pray that the lord will keep you from stumbling. Uh, If you would like to 
see more of our resources, please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. There's also an opportunity there for you to donate. We are a, we are a free podcast where we stay on the air because of uh, listener donations. Please feel free to make a donation if you found this or any of our programs helpful at all. And in the meantime, we look forward to being with you next time. It's when you're a celebrity, it's adios reality. You can act just like a fool, people think it cool, just cause you're on TV. Being a celebrity. I want to show you how ridiculous this happens. Yeah, celebrity. Thanks for listening right. to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Davenant Institute seeks to retrieve the wisdom of classical Protestantism to renew and build up the contemporary church. Through publications, events, and courses, they equip lay people, pastors, scholars, and Christian educators by connecting them with the theological, ethical, and cultural riches of Protestants' past. Through their online program, Davenant Hall, and their residential study center, Davenant House, they provide two graduate-level degree programs in classical Protestantism and also welcome anyone taking one-off courses in theology, church history, philosophy, and more. Online classes are taught by expert scholars in two-hour weekly Zoom sessions over 10 weeks from just $149 per class. Next term's courses include the Reformation and the Modern World. Unlocking the Book of Romans, Essence and Attributes of God, and many more. Spring term courses begin April 12th. Find out more at davenantinstitute.org and on Facebook and Twitter.